I want to just uh, talk a little bit more about uh, Romans, uh, that is chapter 14. I want to share some things with you about Romans chapter 14. It's a, it's a good uh, chapter. Now, those of you who in December, you, you want to hear more about the coming of the Lord. We, we've, we've sung about him, and you will hear more about him as we uh, progress into December. I want to try to get finished with Romans chapter 14. I feel like Romans chapter 14 is a book in the Bible when you don't know what to do, you go to Romans 14, it'll show you how to comport yourself, how to conduct yourself. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. It tells you how to walk in love and, and uh, be loving at all times. Everybody in this room and everybody outside of this room has been challenged with loving at one time or the other in your life. You know, you've been challenged with loving somebody who was uh, so unlovely. Uh, I won't say they were unlovable, but they were certainly unlo unlovely. And we've had that, that issue. And we've had our views about things. And um, I want to read, I'm going to read down to where I want to begin. So I'm going to just read to catch you up Romans uh, 14, uh, ver uh, 14 verse 1. I'm going to just read that if I can. I'll just read it. And I'll try not to say much about them as I read them, as we have talked about them before. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith. So, uh, okay, right out of the box. It's hard not to talk about it, right? Okay, so just say, yes, I'm going to do that. You know, when you can just say amen, and I'll just keep reading. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes, uh, disputing over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him not let and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servants? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. He will be made to stand by God. So now we're not to leave here and talk to vegetarians and or look at them. I think they say, the kids say, give them the side eye as, as though they are weak in the faith. That uh, has nothing to do with people wanting to eat vegetables. When I grew up, we ate vegetables. If we didn't eat vegetables, we may, may have starved to death. You know, but we ate vegetables. We had big pots of, of, of green vegetables to eat and, and good delicious cornbread and Kool-Aid. And, and then we had big pots of beans to the brim, man, you know, and they were so delicious. I, I love those things. So, so we ate a lot of vegetables and, and of course, meat. But uh, so you're not to look at somebody because you have to look at the context. Don't look at somebody uh, wrongly because you have to see the context here. There was a lot of idol worship and uh, animals were sacrificed to idols and Christians who, be, uh, people who became Christians not, didn't want to eat and didn't want to touch. They didn't want to mess up. So Paul says, hey, uh, if, they, if, if you have faith, have it to yourself and God. You know, let them eat. You know, somebody says, well, I have faith and uh, that's why I eat that ribeye. You know, yeah. You may eat that ribeye because you like ribeye, not because you have faith. But even if you did have faith, you're not to judge a brother who's eating or a sister who's eating vegetables. Let's look at verse 5. Um, 
He says, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and gives God thanks. Can you imagine? So we don't have to be so uh, judgmental about people. We should stop it being so judgmental. Uh, um, it goes on to say, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Such great um, instructions that Paul is giving. So he says to us, don't judge people. And there are a lot of other scriptures I could give you um, uh, about this, uh, this in First Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 1 through 5, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 25 through 27. So there are a lot of other, and even more verses I could give you where Paul is speaking to us as to how to comport ourselves as believers. We need to do a better job of that. Okay, we need to do a better job. You know, for example, we have so many different denominations of churches because we won't receive one another. Yeah. You know, some people say, well, I don't want to go to a church where, where you, they sing hymns, those old dead hymns. Well, some of us love those hymns. And we can sing hymns, and we can sing what you like, too. But, but why do we have to have a church of the hymns, you know? Yeah. There are some people that, no, I don't go for that, 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 uh, that boogie-woogie, you know, so. You know, because somebody's live, and they want to sing and, and, and do this to the Lord, you know? That's okay. To the Lord, they pop their finger. To the Lord, they sway. And to the Lord, you sing your hymns. So why can't we, we accept each other? You know, because it's him that we are serving, right? Yeah. And so sometimes, sometimes we go to another church because uh, in this particular church, they raise their hands. Man, I, that spooks me out. They raise their hands in church, man. You know, I, I, I go to the church of the no hands raised, you know. <laughs> That's how it, it was in that day, and that's how we're doing today. So if, if you raise your hands in church, sometimes people say, I'm, I feel uneasy. I'm going to go find a place where I can be at ease, or I can retain my one-dimensional position. I, I'm not going to grow very much. And so here in, in this fellowship, I'm grateful that we have people who lift their hands to the Lord. We have people who don't lift their hands to the Lord. We have people who, who put their hands in their pockets when they worship, but, the, but inside they're dancing. <laughs> you know, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So your posture should be for the Lord. So, so Lord, if I don't, some people are awkward. They don't know what to do with their hands. So they don't, they're not flamboyant like others. You know, come on, it's okay. Let's accept each other and let's receive from each other. So Paul talks, let, let me read this uh, last Verses, verses 7 and 8. He says, For none of us lives to himself, 
and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Now, the verse 9 is really powerful in that Paul says, For to this end Christ died and rose again, rose and lived again. Now, why did Paul, did Paul say Christ for this end, that is what we just read previously, Christ died and rose and lived again? Why? That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So, so when you leave here, you leave this sphere. You don't cease to exist. This is a mind-boggling thing. You don't cease to exist. You just, you're conscious somewhere else. You just want to be conscious wherever the Lord is. You know? Yeah, that's what. And so Christ, he died. He, he, um, the Bible says he died and rose and then lived again. Why? That he might be the Lord of both those who have died and those who are alive. Such a mighty, mighty understanding here. And then verse 10 he says, but why do you judge your brother? Now, I would love to just get a camera and a, some, a mic and just ask everybody. And then you'll find a lot of people who say, well, I don't judge anybody, and you just did last night. <laughs> you know? You did. You did. You judge. We, we tend to judge people. We don't like their clo the clothes they wear. When I was a young man, uh, uh, quite a young man, younger man, I should say, when I was a, a, a young man, uh, we, I, I love my, I don't think, I think maybe my wife bought me some dingo boots, some last little brown boots, you know, and I had those little brown boots, had my bell bottoms. I went to church and I thought I was something. Walked in there with my, and they, they said, those clothes are not of God, you know. Wow. Well, yeah. They said, y'all wearing all those dingo boots or these boots and these strange pants and, and your, your hair all over your head. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, got on to us, man. That rebuked us for, for, for letting our hair grow out. We didn't shave it like our, our fathers, forefathers did. We didn't shave the sides and had it all cut with a little part down the middle. No, nobody wanted to talk to you if you had a part down the middle of your hair in those days. So we just bushed it all out, and they said, this is not of God. So, so... We should not judge one another. He says, but why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says we're going to stand. We talked about this, but I want to, want to reiterate it. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. One of the most glorious days in my life was when I finally realized, saw through another brother, and we can see through your eyes. You know, if you were blind and you were walking, you would, as it were, see through the person who is leading you. Because Now, if they stumble, you will stumble. But they can see and you can't. So uh, this brother was a great brother, wonderful brother. I told you the story, but I want to tell you one more time today. He, he was talking about the judgment seat of Christ, and I'd always wanted to meet him because he had spoken some really, really good things about God and what the last days looked like, and I wanted to just get his understanding of the last days because I'm always seeking knowledge. And uh, he, was, he had talked about, this is the part he had talked about, not germane to my message, but I'll, since I kind of laid you down there, I might as well tell you what it was. He was talking about in the last days, people groups will start to just group together. 
uh, you know, because things will get so uh, uncertain, they'll be so uncertain that they just want to be with people who look like them on the outside. And I guess we didn't get the memo. So, 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 <laughs> so I wanted to know what he knew about the last days because I believe that we're in the last days. I believe that we're there in the, in the, maybe the last hours actually. And so he was telling me about that and I was just soaking it all up. And this hasn't been that long ago, maybe five years ago, six years ago. And then we started to talk about the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema, and uh, where it's a raised place uh, where Jesus will be, as it were, seated on a raised platform, uh, not maybe the exalted throne, but on a raised platform. And all of us will, ha will go there and report and to give an account uh, to him for how we have conducted our Christian life. Wow. And I used to think, I'm going to get there and, and it's going to be messed up. And so, but what Brother Keith said what, when he was talking about it, he said, it has nothing to do with sin because the cross has taken care of sin. And I thought, that's so right. That's so right. Why didn't I really hold on to that? <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> it has nothing to do, but it does have to do with usefulness and uselessness. And so, I, want, I wanted to say that to us, that we have to be useful in the kingdom of God, all right? Because we're going to all stand before the judgment seat. And that's where we're going to get our rewards. Or, or maybe, maybe there was a big chest, I don't know, of rewards there. And you think, oh, all of those are mine. But he said, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, this one's yours. No. Oh, boy, that's going to be a tough day. And so what I do is, like Paul, I try to work with all of my heart and might not to be saved. Amen. I am saved. But I want a reward. Why would I get in a race and run just to run? No. We have athletes here. We have athletes. And when you got in those races, you weren't trying to come in third place. Because, because, because the third place person is the second loser, they say. <laughs> All right. I better get back on the message. And so, but no, you're running to win. And so what Paul tells us is to live our Christian life like we are, we are wanting to win. That is, we want God to be so pleased with us. That's why we do that. That's why we do the things we do. We want him to be pleased with us. Come on. Amen. So we're going to all stand before the judgment seat. Um, verse 11 says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Wow. 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 So let's look at, let's go down to, let me read another one. Philippians 2. May I read that for you? Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. So this is talking about Christ holding two positions at the same time. He is humble, totally humble, and, 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 and he is also exalted. Now, when sometimes with, with human beings, if we get exalted, we leave humble behind. I'm glad I got a yeah there. I mean, at least one person is not doing that. <laughs> Verse 5 says, listen, this let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we need the mind of Christ, not just confessing it with our, our verbiage, but actually walking it out. The mind of Christ. Then you pray for yourself. You ought to pray for yourself every day. Pray for yourself every day and ask the Lord to make you better. 
Ask the Lord to make you better every day. I pray that every day. I don't pray it just to say it. I say, Lord, make me better. I want to be like you. So let this mind be in you that allowed this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, listen, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, we, we're going to have to, we're going to work this out. I'm going to use the ESV in just a moment. But because this kind of doesn't leave you, in my view, with the clarity uh, that you should have here, but we, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It sort of says like uh, he knew he was equal with God and he didn't think he was robbing anything from God by being equal. Uh, that's what I, how I would have interpreted that. But made himself of no reputation. So this tells me that the translator mm, could have maybe notched it up a little bit better because he, because he was equal with God, but he didn't make himself of some great reputation, but he did what? Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he's God Almighty, but now he comes in the likeness of men and he is a servant. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. So when, when we get, as it were, successful, are we, are we now ready to be served or are we going to serve? Some of the most beautiful acts of service I've ever seen were, were from people uh, who did not have to do it. Amen. Very, very well off, like rich, but they were servants, kind and gentle and helping. I go, that's the picture. Wow. Yeah, that's the picture. This is what Jesus did. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, you know, or he said, oh, I'm, a, I'm God. You know, when Jesus was a, was a child growing up, he obviously um, had to come into the knowledge he was the son of God. Can you imagine Jesus being a, a boy just kind of walking outside as a little toddler, maybe not, uh, before a little toddler toddling out there and Mary and Joseph watching him, he's, looking up in the sky. It's like he has a connection up there. I can just see him just walking up there in my mind's eye. He's got a connection. And then he gets a little bit older and uh, a young, maybe a eight or nine year old, he said, I feel like I belong up there. And then perhaps uh, he's 11 or 12 and he knows he belongs up there. That's an amazing story. And so he, 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 he found himself, he goes, he's my dad. Joseph, my mother's husband, yeah, he takes care of me. Yeah, he's my dad, sort of. But he is my dad. Because in, at 12 years old, he is in there in the temple talking with the, the doctors and the, of the law, all of those lawyers and scribes, and he's confounding them with his wisdom of God. And then when Mary comes back after they've gone, you know, the story, they, they left it for a day and they found out he was not with them. They thought he probably saw him playing around and thought, oh, he's with some of the relatives. And uh, they got a day's journey and he wasn't there. And they went back and they went looking for him. They went looking for him, and they found him in the temple. And Mary's upset like any mother would be. You know, there's no, she, never, she didn't spank him, because I think the Bible would have told us. But she did get in his face, you know, and she said, don't you know, your father and I have been looking for you? Like, why would you do this to us? 
He said, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know where to find me, Mom? You should have known, Mom. I believe it blew away. So this is what I'm saying. He, he found himself in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. So whatever God wanted, he wanted even the death of the cross. Therefore, for this reason, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. Those three spheres shall bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what scripture wants us to know. That Jesus is Lord. And so that doesn't mean that, like universalist people believe, it doesn't mean that, okay, now they're going to be saved. No, they're going to admit you are who you say you are. You are, as they go to perdition, they will admit it. Uh, the Lord means, uh, let me give you a little definition. He to whom a person or thing belongs. He to whom a person or thing belongs. So they're going to admit that he is Lord. Everybody, everybody. It's about, um, it's a master. It's called a master, the possessor or the disposer of a thing, the owner of a thing, one who has control of the person or whatever, uh, the sovereign. That's what that means, a sovereign, a person who is totally in charge. Now, let me read quickly um, Philippians 2, 5 through 7. The ESV says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves. What? Which is yours. This belongs to you. This mind of Christ belongs to you. You can think better than you think. You can think better thoughts. You can actually catch thoughts and rebuke them and keep them from causing you harm and trouble. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Si se puede. Si se puede. You can because I, I've done it. I've learned how to do it. I, I used to do this. The enemy was trying to give me thoughts. I've told you about that many years ago. I would do this. I mean, I'm walking and go. Somebody goes, what's wrong with him? Is he losing it? No, I'm gaining it. <laughs> I mean, you're, you will not bring that, those thoughts to me. This is my mind. God gave me this head. You will not bring, you can't bring your stuff to me. That's what I would do. I would do that. And so now I just capture him. No, uh-uh. I, I, I may say, nah. They say, oh, he's talking to himself. No, I'm talking to that thought. Have this man among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I know my rights. I want my rights. We don't, we don't abnegate. That word abnegate, d deny yourself of your rights, your privileges. I, I told you that story as well a number of years ago, many years ago, maybe about 20 plus years ago, the Lord told me to practice a life of abnegation. And I, I said, well, abnegation, what does that word mean? You know? <laughs> and so I had to look, uh, uh, look, and I said, let me look up this word. Because sometimes you think you know something, but you don't really know. And so there's something called Google. You know, you got an iPhone, just Google it. Hey, go, uh, oh, Siri. What does abnegate mean? Well, it means, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you can, be, you can really help yourself. So, it mean to, God wanted me to live a life of self-denial. 
live a life of self-denial. He wants that for you as well. And so he says, so he didn't think equality with God was a thing to be grasped. I want my rights. Can't do me like that. No. He says, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, think like Christ. Have the same views that Christ would have about yourself. Think of, your, uh, of yourself and be modest about yourself. Don't let somebody's opinion, uh, though maybe just of himself, exceeds the bound of modesty. So even if it's, don't let it exceed the bounds of modesty. So don't be, well, I am, you know, not like that, not like that. All right? And he emptied himself. It just meant he, he humbled himself. He didn't think, well, I've got this reputation. You know, somebody, that, is this not the uh, uh, Joseph's son? Is this not the son of the carpenter? Yes, this is the, the, the quote-unquote son of Joseph in that Joseph, as it were, accepted him. But he was born of God. And listen, he is the architect of the universe. He's the architect. He's the greatest carpenter ever. So he comes into Joseph's house as the one who has designed the whole universe. But he didn't act like it. Wow. You know, he obviously had a, a facility, an ease in doing things. Because when Mary in John chapter 2, Mary said to the to uh, Jesus, you've got to do something about this wine situation, you know, and of course, Jesus, you know, says, my hour has not come, you know, the story. And, uh, and so she looked at the servants and she said, whatever he says, do it. And that, that's how I live my life. And I'm saying to all of us today, whatever he says, do it. So, so, well, I have to understand it first. No, that's disobedience. Whatever he says, do it. Empty yourself. Wow. Let me rush. Now, I'm going to rush, okay? Let me rush. Let me rush. Okay. Give me a second here, Lemon. I have so many scriptural references. And I, 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 mean, I, got, I mean, I have a bunch of them. And just so I can give you the truth from many uh, vantage points. So, Paul says, so then... Each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So what Paul is saying, let's don't be so judgmental about, about what people are doing if God has received them. Now, we're not talking about outlandish things. We're not talking about obvious sin. You know, you go, go well, I don't believe I, I have to get married to anybody. I just go live with them. Cohabitate. No, shack is a better word. You know, no, I don't have to marry. Yeah, you should marry. We have laws about it. We have laws of inheritance. You should marry. You shouldn't just come up and make your own rules. Now, we tell you the truth of God. We tell you the truth of God. So all Christians should obey and follow the truth of God, you know, and be good citizens. Not, not just choosing, uh, I'm going to obey. You know, you, there's something called civil disobedience. You can, uh, and I've t I shared it with you earlier, you can say, no, that is an unjust, unrighteous law, and so I'm not going to obey it. And, and so then when they take you off to jail, don't be saying they did me wrong. Okay, you pay the penalty, yeah. You do that. Yeah, but you can say it. 
You can say that God can change things by that. And so just because somebody says this is an unrighteous thing and uh, they are willing to suffer and you're not willing to suffer but you're willing to judge, that's wrong. And so Paul is saying that we, that we have to recognize that God has received all of us. All right? Let's look, look at verse 14. This is what I call the law of love. Uh, it is called the law of love. And, and uh, what you'll find in this, these verses is that God, if you're walking in love, you're walking in, in the place where God wants you. To walk in love. Now, notice what he says. And th th this solves all, all problems and answers all questions. Verse 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. And he's talking about uh, foods, I think, primarily in that if, if, if you prayed over that food, you sanctified that food. When you pray over that food, you sanctify it. Now, now sometimes uh, uh, there, there's a particular restaurant. I'm not going to, don't ask me where it is. But I was in, in there to buy some food, and I saw the cook uh, uh, coughing in his hand. And he coughed in his hand, and just kept, I said, oh, no. Now, we're not talking about that. That was some unclean food he made. So, but Paul is talking about that when you go to the grocery store, you don't ask, where was this, this steak before it came here? You know, you just eat, you trust, and you believe. And by the way, I pray for the store when I shop. Okay. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean to him, it is unclean. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Don't say, well, I don't care. I don't care how, what he feels. He's just weak. No, he says, you don't, you're not walking in love. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Let me read more. Verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So let's do that. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. You need to live conscious of your brothers, your sisters. Live knowing who you're surrounded by. It may be all right for you to take that whatever that thing is, that problem, that situation. It may be all right, and I, I know I may get ugly letters and stares. It may, it, it may be all right. This one person drinks a, a glass of wine, and another person goes, oh! I, I know people. And so if you know they're one of those, ooh, people, 
and you go in there in, the, in front of them say you're not walking in love you, you know listen what he says Paul is saying then, then I would not eat meat nor drink wine for the rest of my life if I knew it bothered my brother or my sister so that's what he's talking about in that area. You just have to be careful how you comport yourself. And then sometimes you might be used by God to teach things to people, to lovingly teach to people. Okay. Now he says, let me read it again. Verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? People say, well, I got faith. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. You know, if you're all right doing the, eating the, the meat that was offered to the idols, you don't condemn yourself. You just eat. Amen. So happy is the man, uh, is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. See, you mess with people. And you get people to follow you. You want them to follow Jesus. And then they're following you, but they don't have faith doing it. And then they deal with condemnation. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin, is sin. God wants us to walk in faith, to walk in love, for whatever is not of faith is sin. So I want to pray, and then we'll ask, I'll come back, and I want you to think about giving yourself to Jesus, just saying, I want to be a Jesus person when I come back. I want you to, when I was a young man, we would go in these airports in my 20s and whatever. We saw a lot of these long-haired guys. They were called Jesus freaks. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. And I want us to get back to a place. They were beautiful. They were barefooted. They would go barefoot, hair down, way below the shoulders. They, they'd come up to every, anybody. Do you know Jesus, man? Jesus is cool, man. Jesus is cool. And they helped to usher us into a whole new movement. They, have, they helped us. And college kids, young people, were coming to Jesus in great numbers. So let's be like that. Come to Jesus today. Let us pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his precious blood. Thank you for the word of God by which we are saved. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. And we, are, we declare that what you have done cannot be undone. Touch somebody's heart here in the sanctuary or online. Touch somebody's heart, we pray, in your great and glorious name. Amen.